we are going to continue on with our Holy Spirit theme. Um, I feel like this might be our last week, and we're going to conclude it unless the Lord tells me otherwise. Um, but I felt like this was after studying and preparing this week, he'd released uh, this from my heart to move on to something different next Sunday. Uh, but we are going to continue on, and we're going to talk about a topic that I know in Pentecostal church isn't really controversial, uh, but in the church as a whole, uh, if, you, if you look at other theological viewpoints and things like that, this becomes a controversial topic, and it shouldn't be because Scripture is pretty clear on it, uh, but I'm going to do some more teaching than preaching today um, because I feel like we need to really understand this topic. I think there's misunderstanding uh, that has led to confusion and things on it, and maybe there's some things that we'll talk about today that you've never heard of before or didn't understand yourself. Um, so hopefully this will shine some light on some things for you, but we're going to be talking about tongues of fire and if you have your Bibles, hopefully you do, and if you don't, that's okay. It'll be on the screen. Technology is amazing, isn't it? Um, if you would go to Acts chapter 2, we're going to read verses 1 through 4. And if you got it, just stand to your feet. Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. This is like the banner scripture of the Pentecostal church, and uh, we're going to start here this morning. This is what it says. I'm using the English Standard Translation today. It says, When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared on on them and rested on each one of them. And as and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. Heavenly Father, we ask that you would just add your anointing and your blessing to this word. Let it minister to our hearts and our minds today. Let us grow in our knowledge and faith. God, we love you and we thank you. And in your name we pray. Amen and amen. You may be seated. Like I said uh, just a moment ago, this, this is a topic that for some reason within the capital C church, there is some controversy around this topic. Um, we read a scripture like this and we see it's very obvious that, well, the Holy Spirit did come and cause these believers, these disciples, these apostles to, to speak in other tongues. So when we see stuff like this, it's like, well, how could we ever uh, find that to be controversial? Well, the controversy isn't that it never happened and it's not at all scriptural. The, the controversy and the, and the issue at hand comes down to it was only for that time period. Uh, they, they believe that it was just for the, um, the initial establishing and building of the church. And uh, there, there's a lot of controversy around that, and they, they, they use some scriptures out of context, uh, really just coming out of 1 Corinthians 13. I don't have it on the screen. I'm going to paraphrase it for you. Uh, Paul is talking about, you know, love will never end. Uh, it's the love chapter, but he also, towards the end of that, after he says love never ends, he says prophecies will cease, tongues will cease, but he also says that it will cease when that which is perfect has come. Typically, people in the other theological beliefs believe that he was referring to the church. 
But if you've ever attended a church, which obviously you have because you're here today, if you just look around and even look at yourself, it's pretty easy to say that, well, it's not perfect. That which is perfect has not come yet. Uh, we, we understand this scripture to mean and know it to mean that it's talking about the coming of Jesus, his kingdom, which is perfect. Tongues won't be necessary anymore. Uh, because, and we're going to get into a little bit the purposes and the functions of the tongue, but those functions won't be necessary. They, they will also make arguments that the, the tongues that they hear in church are just gibberish. They don't sound like any language they've ever heard before. So therefore, it must all be wrong, and, and it just sounds like one syllable. or, or one, and, they, and they give all these, uh, these uh, teachings on language and the structure of a sentence in other languages. But it, it's hard for me to really give any weight to that argument, because when you understand that there are 7,100 currently known languages in the world, like that they, they, we recognize that there is that many languages in existence. I don't know of any person, personally, that can identify all 7,100 languages. 7,100 languages. And, and, and you got to think about that. Within those 7,100 languages, how many other dialects or, or things are attached to that? Just think about here in the United States. You go down south, people talk different than they do up north. You go out west, it's different than they do on the east. It, it, it's, it, it's, but it's still English. So when you start to look at things that way, that there are so many languages, and unless you can tell me that you know all 7,100 languages and how they all are structured, it's hard for me to give any weight to the argument that it's just all gibberish and nonsense. On top of the 7,100 known languages, there is believed to be 573 extinct languages. Extinct on earth. Languages that we don't really use as a human culture anymore. And so there's a whole nother, that, that brings us up to almost 70, that's almost 8,000 languages when you get into those types of things. Unless you can tell me that you know 7,673 languages, including the extinct ones, and you can tell me that the tongues you hear in a Pentecostal church don't match any of those, I, I would almost give a little weight to that. But when you also understand uh, that when we pray in tongues, that there is a heavenly language as well on top of those, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1, Paul writes, he says, If I speak in human or angelic tongues, but do not have love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. You know, when I read this, I think it's pretty obvious that there is a heavenly language above all these other languages. So you can make arguments about these tongues and the different languages and the lack of sentence structure and things when we pray in tongues. But, I, but when you also add in the fact that there is a heavenly language, you begin to lose weight and power in that argument. This is why I have such a hard time believing that 
their tongues are just a myth and it was something of the past. Because they, they will make the argument that tongues are only to be spoken in known languages. I'm going to get into that a little bit later on uh, when we talk about one of the functions of tongues. Uh, but but we will, we'll talk about that more later. But it's not just for that. The first function I really want to cover is prayer in tongues. This is probably the most popular, most commonly uh, used uh, uh, function of tongues uh, because it's one that's not just for a Sunday morning gathering. It's not one just for a special missions trip or, or foreign uh, missions trip. It is a gift of tongues that we can use and I hope we all use on a daily basis that we pray in the Holy Spirit and that we seek God through praying in the Holy Spirit. This is one that, that is the most common and it is one that is truly for every individual uh, that serves and loves God. It is one that is not for others, it is for yourself. I'm going to get into that a little bit later too. Uh, this one is for you as an individual. When we get into the message in tongues and, and then uh, the foreign tongues and known tongues, uh, we'll be talking about how those are used to minister to other people around us. But this tongue in particular is for the edification of yourself. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 2, it says, For the person who speaks in a tongue is not speaking to people, but to God. Since no one understands him, he speaks mysteries in the Spirit. Uh, Paul is addressing uh, tongues, interpretation, some other things. But he says there is a tongue that is designed for us to speak to God. And it, it is not one that any person really is going to ever understand. This is where that heavenly language, that angelic tongue comes into play. It says we speak mysteries in the Spirit. We are praying through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is really praying on our behalf to God for His will to be done. And I wonder uh, how much of a benefit it is to us for it to be a mystery to us. Because I, I really wonder how much we would mess it all up if we really knew what was being prayed about. I know what goes through my mind when I'm praying in English and, I, and the language I understand and the worries and the fears I'm praying about and, and thinking about things and I get worked up and I get excited about things and, and the, all the different emotions that come with that. If we were to know what the Holy Spirit was saying on our behalf to God, how would we mess that up? Th think about that. When you, if you knew that, that the Holy Spirit was praying that this door would be open, you would get fixated on that door and you would miss out on the other things going, around, going on around you. If we knew that the Holy Spirit was praying for a healing, all you would ever look at in your life was for that healing to come to pass. We would get fixated on those things and then we would... We would miss out on everything else that God is doing. Like, I am grateful that I don't understand the tongue that I pray in. Because if I knew what the Holy Spirit was praying for on my behalf, I would probably find a way to mess it all up. We need that. It is like, it protects us from us. It is really a guard against our own mistakes and our own flaws and failures in our prayer life. 
Also, we know it is the purest of prayers. Uh, It is intercessory prayer according to the will of God, like I said earlier. In Romans 8, uh, 26 and 27, it says this, In the same way, the Spirit also helps us in our weakness, because we do not know what to pray for as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with inexpressible groanings. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. If, if, if we understand it like this, we, we look at it and we can say uh, it is a pure form of prayer because it's directly connected to God's will for our life. There's this straight line shot from our prayer to God when it comes to his will. When we pray, we really pray our will. I, I said this earlier on, I believe it was in our first week or second week of this journey, I talked about how we corrupt our prayers by praying our will and putting our will on God, basically telling him that you should want what I want for myself, rather than God, I submit myself to your will and you have your way in my life. But when we pray in the Spirit, we bypass all of that corrupting talk and and speech in our prayer life to where we are now praying pure prayers according to the true will of God. He searches our hearts. He knows our hearts, the intent of our heart, and he prays on on God's will on our behalf anyway. That's how important it is. Like, if you really truly want God's will to be done, the best way to pray God's will is to pray through the Holy Spirit who knows the will of God. That, that's why this prayer language is such an important part of a believer's life. Such an important part of a believer's life. And, and like I said earlier, for... Uh, in 1 Corinthians 14, 14, it says, For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. Like I said earlier, we cannot allow our lack of understanding or our own words and our own corrupted fleshly hearts to get in the way of God's will. It is better for us to not understand what the Holy Spirit is praying. Because I can tell you there are times when I have sat and I've thought, man, I really wish I knew what the Holy Spirit was praying for right now. There are, there are times when you have a rough idea but because of the circumstance by which you are praying that you know that it falls into this category, but you don't know exactly what's being prayed about. That's, that's, I wonder how many things we miss out on when we don't pray in the Spirit because we're praying corruptly. I'm not saying every prayer you pray is a corrupted prayer, but I, I would say that there are plenty of times where we are praying for our own selfish desire rather than the will of God, if we're going to be honest with ourselves. When we begin to view this through this lens, it, it, is, a pure, it is the purest form of prayer. It is not just us jibber-jabbering in a, in, a, in a tongue that just brings goosebumps and chills upon us. We are praying in a heavenly language directly to God according to His will where the Holy Spirit is interceding on our behalf in a way that we never could. Intercessory prayer is a powerful thing. And let me tell you, the Holy Spirit is the best intercessor. There is nobody else I would rather have praying on my behalf than the Holy Spirit. It's the most powerful 
form of prayer. Listen, I, I want you to pray for me, and I want to pray for you, and I do pray for you. But it is better if the Holy Spirit does it. So much better. So much better. Praying in tongues is a, a very important function. It is probably the most commonly talked about and commonly uh, celebrated, for lack of a better term, function. It's the one we, we all get excited about, and it's the one we all seek after and, and, and hopefully seek after. Uh, but I, I want to encourage you today, if this is one you have sought after or are seeking after and have yet to experience, uh, I myself sought it for months. I've shared this before, but I want to refresh your mind and, and of this testimony of it. But I grew up in a Pentecostal church. I'm sure it was taught about, but I was young and dumb and ignorant and didn't pay attention to it. Uh, I, I just was doing my own thing. I was happy with where I was at, didn't really fully understand it. But there came a moment in my life where it began, where God began to move and I began to see the Holy Spirit move in a way that I just never really saw before or recognized before. Because like I said, I was young, dumb, and ignorant and didn't pay much attention to what was going on. But all of a sudden, he began to capture my attention. And I began to say, God, you know, this, if this thing is real, if this really is a gift that is for all people, I want this gift. I, I, I want this. I want to be able to pray this way. I want that power in prayer. I, I, I want that so badly. So I began to seek God on it. I, it took fasting. It took prayer. It took time in the Word to study what it really was. See, I, I'm, I'm somebody who, um, I don't know if cynical is the right word, but I'm somebody who's apprehensive to jump right into things. Uh, most of the time, I, I like to examine things. I like to analyze things. I like to process things before I do anything. Sometimes it takes me a lot longer to make a decision on something because of that. But it's also kept me from problems because of that. But it also delayed this in my life. I, I, I analyzed it. I thought about it. I studied it. And now I want to know what I believe. And we all should know what we believe and understand it. But the Holy Spirit is, he is something to be experienced. Uh, yes, you can understand and study, but there is so much beyond what we could ever understand. There is infinite. God says, my ways are higher than yours. My thoughts are higher than yours. There is nothing, uh, there, there is no way we will ever be able to fully comprehend everything. So as somebody who wants to comprehend everything in its fullness, uh, there was a point where I had to just say, Lord, you know, I, I can study this, I can analyze it, but at some point I just need to experience it and let you show me through experience and guide me yourself. And so through that prayer and that seeking God for this in my life, months down the road, there came a point where I finally did receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit and receive that prayer language. It was, it was, it, my life was so different after that. That's when my life went down a course towards ministry. I was just happy to have a job and go live in the woods or whatever. Like, I love the woods. I love My plan, I was going to go do all kinds of stuff. I was going to go hike the Appalachian Trail, if you know what that is. I was going to get a cabin and some property and just fish and hunt and 
do that for the rest of my life. But as I began to pray in a new language, according to the will of God rather than my will, things took a different turn. And I began to pray God's will over my life. And my, not just the will came to pass, but my heart changed and shifted to desire the will of God for my life more than my own will. It's so powerful and so necessary to have this prayer language in our life. The other function of tongues is uh, tongue and interpretation or, or a message in tongues. Uh, this is for the edification of the church. This is a way by which God directly communicates to his body of believers that have gathered together to worship him in a, in a segment of the time of worship uh, to, to just edify the body of Christ. Uh, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 14, 26, it says, What then, brothers and sisters, whenever you come together, each one has a hymn, a teaching, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. And it says, everything is to be done for building up. The, this one we, we've experienced here in this uh, church ourselves. There's other scriptures that talk about it. Uh, it's talked about in 1 Corinthians 12 as well. Um, and, but, but in this... You hear a tongue that you have no understanding of. You don't recognize it. It doesn't make any sense to you. But there is a time where, where the tongue will come and an interpretation will follow. And it is to send a message to God's church and his people about something he wants to share with them. And it is for the building up. See, there, there, I've heard all different kinds of horror stories about tongue and interpretation. I remember hearing about one uh, revival service where the interpretation started out as thou shalt shout thy bobby pins out. And, and there, there are times when you have to really use discernment to understand, is that really the voice of God? Is that really a true interpretation? And, and, and things like that. And uh, maybe God really was saying, you need to shout your bobby pins out. I, I don't know. I wasn't there. But I hear these stories of, of times when, when it was uh, uh, misused within a church. I remember my dad actually told me this story. He was newly saved. I was attending a Pentecostal church for, I believe, the first time ever. And uh, he was sitting in the pew, worshiping, trying to understand what was going on, just observing everything. And a tongue and interpretation came. So he's wondering what in the world's going on. Well, the man next to him gave the interpretation. And him being young and a young believer and not knowing any better, the interpretation, he told me, he says, I remember it started out, I am the Lord your God. And it scared him because he said, oh no, God is sitting right next to me. <laughs> it, it's important for us to understand how these things work. I know he's going to listen to this message later on uh, when we record all these things, and he's probably going to laugh and call me. And, uh, but uh, it's, we have to understand how these things work. And you see, as, I mean, obviously he figured out that that, what it was later on, but uh, it's, it's something that really I've seen freak people out. Because like, what in the world is happening? I, I don't understand. What, what is going on? And, and I, I want us to talk about here for just a moment the building up part of it. Because I've heard stories where the, where the, the interpretation was just totally land-blasting and destroying and cutting down, and it was not edifying at all. 
But I also want us to be cautious with this because sometimes correction is edification. I think if, if we're going to talk about building up, the, the, one of the ways you build is to be corrected once in a while. Or the way you're building is going to get crooked and straight and, or unstraight and unstable. We need to have correction. That's part of the building up. That is edifying to learn something new and to, to be corrected, to be lined up back in obedience. We don't like correction. We rather just have your truth and my truth, and we can all just be happy in our own little world. And, and I, I understand why. Because if you're just happy in your own truth and your own understanding of the world and everything, well, you don't have to worry about being corrected or being offended or anything. But there really is only one truth. And, I, I, and I'm not going to get on that rabbit trail today. But there is only one truth, and it is the truth we all should stand by and stand on and not veer from. Because at the end of the day, when my truth or your truth or whoever's truth is put to the fire, it ain't going to stand. But when we stand on the truth of God's Word, it will always stand. That's my side sermon for you this morning. We also need to understand about this type of tongue because it is within corporate worship within the body of Christ. It is when we gather together to worship God that this one takes place. We, we need to understand that God is not a God of chaos, but He is a God of order. So this is not something where it becomes a free-for-all. I've, I've heard about this too, where you have seven or eight different tongue and interpretation when Scripture clearly says uh, that there should only be two or three maximum in uh, 1 Corinthians 14.27. There should only be two or three. Like, because at some point you get all this information, all these different things, and then it gets, becomes confusing. And God's not the author of confusion. You have seven different messages, and what if they begin to contradict each other? Then something's really not right. This is for the edification of the body. And when things get chaotic and out of order, and they should be in turn... Scripture teaches they should be in turn, each one taking their turn. When you start to have two people at the same time and trying to interpret this one, something's not right. And then it would be my responsibility to say, hold on a second, we're going to stop and we're going to wait on God to give us the interpretation here in just a moment. And we would take the time to wait on Him. It wouldn't be to embarrass anybody, it wouldn't be to hurt anybody, it would be to bring order to where God says there should be order. And if there, and it, I answer to God, and I don't want to stand before him someday and he'll say, why did you allow chaos? I don't want to answer for that. And so when we look at this and analyze this and, and learn about this and grow in this, we need to, we need to understand that the, these things are done decently and in order. It's not chaotic. It's not everybody at the same time giving a tongue. It's not everybody at the same time giving an interpretation. Uh, the, the proper etiquette, uh, and it, it's not like a, a Bible verse backup thing, but I, under, I believe in the reverence of God, which is scriptural. So when that happens, the, the order of things should be reverence towards that message. 
the, the order of it should be let's stop what we're doing and let God speak. When God speaks, we stop and we listen. It doesn't matter what we're doing. It doesn't matter what we're singing. It doesn't matter where we're at in the service. If God begins to move and speak in that way, we will stop and we will listen. I know most of you maybe already know that, but maybe this is new for somebody. We, we, will, we will wait on God, and, we, and, and if there is a tongue, we will pray for the interpretation. If no interpretation is given, then we will move forward, and we will understand that, well, maybe us as a human, maybe we missed it that time. And, and it is possible that sometime you will miss it. There, there are times where, where we will try to do something in obedience to God and we really misunderstood what he was talking about and we were out of line. And I, and I never would want somebody to feel totally embarrassed by that, but I want us to understand that if that were to ever happen, that it is a moment for whoever that person may be, to, to take a moment and realize, okay, I missed this one, and recognize that. Tongue and interpretation is a powerful thing. They're encouraging, they're uplifting, sometimes they're correcting. We need it in the church. We need it in the church. This, this is the one I really, really can't find anywhere where uh, this this had stopped or ceased or, or it's useless today, as some will argue. Because there are times where I need to hear from God and I've prayed, I've fasted, I've sought His Word, and it comes in a Sunday morning service or a worship time of some sort where God will move through a tongue and interpretation and speak to me as an individual through what He's saying to His body as a whole. It's powerful and we need this. The final uh, function of the tongue that I want to just touch on here is the foreign tongue or a, a communicating tongue. Uh, this is the, the ability through the Holy Spirit to communicate the gospel across language barriers in a tongue that you've never studied before. Uh, Acts chapter 2, verses 5 through 8 it says this, Now there were Jews staying in Jerusalem, devout people from every nation under heaven. When this sound occurred, a crowd came together and was confused because each one heard them speaking in his own language. They were astounded and amazed, saying, Look, aren't these, who, aren't these all who are speaking Galileans? How is it that each one of us can hear them in our own native language? You're, this is where the whole. This is following verses one through four, like we read at the beginning, where where it's talking about the the cloven tongues like a fire come upon each of them. They they came out of the upper room and they they began to minister to the people around them. And these people are like, wait a minute, these are Galileans. How do they know our language? They shouldn't know how to speak to us, and and we shouldn't be able to understand each other. This is where the Holy Spirit moves in a way. This is where then they were accused of being drunk. And then they stood up and prophesied and shared the gospel message of Christ and thousands were saved through this. 
this is where God will, will move in you to speak a language you don't know to communicate the gospel to a lost soul. This, this is one that, that is crazy. I, I've actually heard a story. I can't remember the name of the missionary, but I remember hearing this story a long, long time ago. Of a, He was traveling for ministry. He was on a plane, and he was just having a conversation with the person next to him. Well, the person he traveled with, I believe, was sitting in the vicinity somewhere. I don't know. If, I can't remember if it was next to him or behind him or in front of him. But when they got off the plane, he said, I didn't know you knew how to speak that language. He goes, what are you talking about? He goes, you were having a conversation, and I don't remember the language of the other person either. Like I said, this story was a long time ago. I just remember the result of it. As you were sitting there talking to the person next to you in their language, he had no idea he was speaking in this other language. But this whole time, he was having a conversation about the goodness and grace of God to the person next to him on this airplane in a language he didn't understand or know. That's powerful. That is powerful. I, I think back to uh, another instance. This, this one in particular, like I said, is to communicate across language barriers, to edify a lost person, to, to minister to somebody who doesn't know Christ. I, I, there's a pastor uh, who, who I've met and talked with before who uh, was in was preaching on a Sunday morning and he began, worship was going, the spirit was moving and he began to just speak in tongues and pray in tongues and after service, a lady came up to him and said, you just spoke. You were, when you were praying in tongues, do you know what you were saying? And he goes, no. He goes, you were speaking in the native tongue of, of I believe, her grandmother who lived, and if I might be wrong on the country, but it was somewhere in the African region she was part of a tribe there and immigrated and all those things. And, and he goes, well, what was I saying then? He was, she was saying you were giving glory to God. You were saying glory to Christ. Be magnified, be lifted up over and over. She recognized it. How, how powerful is that? Like I said to somebody who makes the arguments, like I mentioned at the beginning, that could have been gibberish. They could have argued that it was gibberish. But to this woman who walked into that church looking for God to minister to her, she had that moment where through this language that she knew because of her heritage, but nobody else knew, they were, she was ministered to that day and was edified in her relationship with Christ. I've heard other stories where pastors would be preaching and speaking in tongues through prayer and worship, and, and people say, well, I didn't know you knew German. I didn't know you knew this. There, there are stories of that. There, there are, I don't even like to call them stories. There are testimonies of that, where God moved and worked through this language that the speaker didn't know, but the listener did. This is still a gift for today. I, I never want us, and I refuse actually, I, it's not even a want, I refuse to allow us to be a church that doesn't let the Holy Spirit move in this way. Amen. And it, it looks different in every church, in every place. It, sometimes it's every Sunday, sometimes it's every other Sunday, sometimes it's once a month you get a tongue and interpretation. But my goal is for God to move in every way, in every place, at every time, at any moment that He wants to. 
I desire for this to be a church that prays in the Holy Spirit. I, I desire for this to be a church that hears from God through tongue and interpretation. I desire for us to have the opportunity to, to use this Holy Spirit, to have the Holy Spirit work through us in a way that communicates across language barriers to people to where they can hear the message of Christ. Maybe you will have opportunity for that one. Maybe you won't, but I, my prayer is that we get to experience the fullness of the Holy Spirit working in this way, in this church and in your lives as individuals. It's important. And I refuse to say that this is a dead gift that isn't for today. Because to say that is to rob the church and body of Christ of a Holy Spirit power that it truly needs. The, where this, this gifting gets abused, and misused rather, is probably a better term, is when it becomes all about shouting and running and screaming and hollering and swinging from chandeliers and all those things. When that is the main focus of it, and the goosebumps and the chills and the falling out in the Spirit, when that is the, the main goal of the move of the Holy Spirit, we are missing out on its true purpose, which is to edify the believer, the church, and to minister the gospel message to others. I need the prayer language. I need the tongue and interpretation. And I need to be able to communicate. To If I'm going to go throughout the world making disciples, good chance you're going to need a different language. And I would love to see the Holy Spirit move in that way in my life and in your life. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me today?